0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process
1: in all genres.
2: Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren, of course. So uh, today we'll bring in our guest right away. Um, she's an author, and uh, the book, the new book coming out, is Suspension and uh it's andrea Fay Christians. thanks for being here
0: thank you alan thank you it's great to be talking to you
2: so you've got quite the history here i tell you radio and and all over the place you know um but you actually moved to malta with the function uh, the idea that you were going to write uh, how did that come about
0: It's a bit of a long story. I was working as a radio presenter in the United Kingdom. And actually, my initial introduction to Malta was to come and work in radio. And I did that for a couple of years Had a really good time. And then I actually returned to British radio later in in the day. Um, But while I was working in Malta, I got the opportunity to sort of become a freelance writer as well. And that sort of really stirred something which had always existed within me. I've been writing since I was a child. And I just wanted to follow that dream. And as time wore on, even though I had a, a quite a successful twenty-year career in radio, I realised in my heart that I'm really a writer, and that's what I've always wanted to do. Um, and so, in a way, Malta enabled me um, to to realise that dream.
2: Yeah, that's. But it's quite a change in in discipline, in a sense. Like to sit down and and to write a, a novel it's different than, let's say, doing some freelance writing and stuff what was there something that kind of initiated that um that that bug so to speak to sit down and do it
0: well to be honest i i've been writing for as long as i can remember my mother got called down to the school when i was five years old and her attitude was like oh gosh what again now what's she up to and the teacher just took her to one side i was five years old and said look at this and it was page after page after page and picture after picture of, of a story and they were saying your daughter's going to be a writer and as i grew up i had the box under the bed of unwritten stories which my mother told me last week she still has and that box as years went by became a computer file of lots of unwritten stories unfinished stories excuse me unfinished stories and, and half written you know the ideas um, But features writing was great. It was a a great learning curve. Uh, You have to obviously structure the article. You have to have the beginning, the middle and the end. You have to start with, you know, an introduction and and come to a conclusion. Writing a novel is an entirely different uh, discipline. And it it requires a certain stamina, um, which I feel that a lot of people want to write books. And a lot of people fall by the wayside because of that stamina. It's the number of times, Alan, that my finger... Hovered over the delete button when I was writing suspension, because I just thought it was rubbish, full of self doubt, you know you have to battle with all these things, um, writer's block, losing your way through the story, but I, I managed it with suspension and I think the difference was for me, was that when I envisaged this story I really did see it beginning, middle and end, I saw it in its entirety.
2: Wow. So when, so do you outline quite a bit um, before you actually write, or were you, you just kind of had the idea of how you were going to end it or where it was going. And you sort of filled in the details. Like what was your process?
0: I am probably the most disorganized person in the world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, definitely I just, uh, there's a very interesting story behind suspension because the name itself is a play on words. It's based on the Clifton Suspension Bridge, which is in uh, Bristol, in the United Kingdom. Okay, and this is a a massive uh, piece of civil engineering, which was built in the 18th century, which in its time was groundbreaking. And even now, today, when I would fly into Bristol Airport, which would be my nearest airport, I would gaze up at this this structure. and. and I would just think to myself that this is an amazing piece of, of architecture, you know, a, a, a financial, uh, sorry, an, an engineering feat, you know, of, of great proportions. And, and also when I then researched um, the, the guy who built it, a guy called Isambard Brunel, who turns out to be a, a complete genius and also a bit of a rock star. In his time, he is very charismatic. I just thought there's a a story here waiting, waiting to be written. But so I saw, you know, this character who built the bridge, the bridge itself. And and I just thought there's got to be, you know, um, a story. And the name suspension is symbolic, not only of the bridge being a suspension bridge, but of the protagonist who is basically suspended in time. She's suspended between two worlds. So I I saw the story pretty much in its entirety, and then I just fleshed it out as I came to rewrite it, in essence, basically.
2: Yeah. So your your main character in this, how do you um, experience your characters? Are you seeing them in your mind, in a vision, uh, or do you just hear them, or is none of that? Um, What's your experience?
0: Well, I think that a lot of writers, you know, by virtue of what we what we do, who we are, we, we tend to observe things We're a bit like sponges. You know, if anybody wrongs you in life, you don't have to wait for karma. You just, you just get them into your books. you know. <laughs> and I've used various <laughs> I've used various um, experiences, people I've met. There's a lot of me in Carla Thompson, the main protagonist. Um, there's also my daughter, there's friends. And so um, she's a composite character. Um and she's a basically, she's a 31 year old divorced English teacher who's a bit disillusioned in life. You could even say she's borderline depressed and she's sort of lost her way. And she's a reluctant heroine. She doesn't want this role thus thrust upon her. And around her, by virtue of the story as it evolves, she attracts people who are in transit. They're, they're caught between life and death, but they have unfinished business. And her job, reluctant as she is to take it on, uh, and that she's predestined to take on, uh, as she finds out as the story progresses, is to help these people finish their stories. And Isambard Brunel, who is actually, he was a real-life character, and as a, a very charismatic uh, man, he is the, he is the gatekeeper and of the, um, the bridge, which is also a portal, a, a time-travel portal, and he's guardian of his secrets. And as she evolves into her role, reluctantly, um, she sort of, um, she finds her purpose in life and helps people. So my characters, she, the protagonist has an internal struggle. She's an, um, a woman that's disillusioned. She's 31, as I said. She's disillusioned with life, disappointed with life. And then she finds her, her purpose. And also she finds true love. <laughs> oh, and then geez. she's faced with an impossible decision um, at the end of the book. So those, and then there are other characters. Um, I've got fictional characters. There's the taxi driver, Billy Lamps. Now, Billy Lamps, his real name is William Lumsden, and and he is totally fictional. And yet he feels so real to me, um, Alan, that I'm actually, I've taken him into another book that I'm working on. And I've created a whole life history for him. And he's an ex-Marine, but he's totally fictional. So my mind works in different ways. and I think a lot of people who write may identify with that. So we observe, we take facets of people. uh, And that's how I work anyway.
2: Wow. Where did the science fiction come from for you? Because being, a, you know, the time travel and the portal and stuff, do you have like a fascination with this?
0: Um, That's a really good question, because I, I've never really read this sort of genre, to be honest. And I've written the stuff I've written before. I wrote a memoir. I started writing like a detective series about a serial killer. And this was completely different to anything that I'd ever written before. But I need to tell you something which is important, because when I envisaged this story, I didn't mean to write it as a book. It was meant to be a script. okay? Okay. And uh, the reason it's a book is because I don't know how to write a script. But even the sequel that I'm working, it's very cinematic and it was either lending itself to being a film or a television miniseries. It was always the intention that it would go on to to the, the small screen or the big screen. And then because I had no experience in that sort of in that line, I actually uh, created the, the story and, um, and it sort of gained its own momentum. So it's a completely new genre for me, I have to be honest.
2: Wow. What, what, what do you think um, gives you the ability to make it sound real? And I mean that. Um, in the character sense, um, when you've got your main character being depressed and, and all the things that you were saying about about her, how, how is it you, you draw those emotions out?
0: Well, as I said to you, some of it is me. I mean, when the book starts, she's living in a bit of a broken down flat. And I remember there was a point in my life where I was living in a broken down flat and the landlord in the book, the lovely uh, Frank, whose real name was Joe, sadly, he's no longer with us, was my landlord. And so I remember lying on the sofa and like thinking something could happen to me and nobody would know. it was a point in my life where I was a little bit lost and down. So I took that and I, and I started writing suspension and a friend of mine had told me that she'd gone in for routine surgery and she'd had an out of body experience. So I took that story of the fact that I had fallen asleep, this, this Carla had fallen asleep. It was based on me in the very beginning, and that she she thinks that she's having an out of body experience that she's dreaming, but in fact what she's actually died. So that was part of my own experience. Um, and then uh, just as the story progresses, um, there's a, I, this is an important part as well that there's a there's historical fact tied into the story. I've, I've intertwined that. Um, for example, the first person that Carla meets on the suspension bridge, which is a place that she's drawn to, is a girl called Sabrina. And Sabrina's died tragically, and, and Sabrina doesn't even realise that she's actually died. Now, this is a true story. This is a, her name wasn't Sabrina, and this incident did not happen in Bristol. It happened in Malta about eight years ago. A young girl, um, 26 years of age, uh, had done her motorcycle test, and literally, within a day of passing her motorcycle test, she was killed. And I remember reading this news story and being so struck by a light that was snuffed out in an instant. And that story, that, that thing that I read, stayed with me. So she became Sabrina in the story. So again, I've taken something real there. Um, Matilda, who's another character, she's, she's so charismatic, and so colourful, this woman. Matilda is a Jamaican-born psychic. She plays an important part in the story. And... Um, Jama- uh, Jamaican, uh, loud, colourful. Okay. In real life, Matilda is a top-rated international lawyer. She's a friend of mine, and she's born in Brixton, London. But I took her her laugh, I took her tenacity, um, and I and I took that character into Matilda. And so, like I said, I've I've got you know I, there are people. There's my imagination. It's a whole mix of things that I use to to make um, my characters also friends that tell me stories experiences and and that's how it works for me
2: yeah that's it's it's interesting when you when you um mix um fiction with non-fiction like you know you've got the realism and real characters and then you've got fictional ones how do you decide where you're going to draw the line on on what you're going to use about the real characters
0: Um, That's that's another really good question. The thing is that Brunel himself was such a fascinating character and there was so much potential material there to use with him. And the thing is, he built, apart from this monumental bridge, he built Paddington Station, but the most iconic structure that he built was the Thames Tunnel. It's a tunnel that passed under the the River Thames in London, which effectively joined both sides, sides of London. It was the first underground shopping mall, if you like. And it was of a huge importance uh, at the time. And that it was built by Irish labourers who were working in terrible conditions. I mean, literally, they, they were dying from cholera and all sorts of terrible diseases. And they were paid, you know, handsomely for the risks they were taking. And basically what happened is that during the construction of this tunnel in, I think it was 18... 17, correct me if I'm wrong on that, okay, there was a flood and Brunel was swept away and many of these men were swept to their deaths, okay, and I took that event and he was literally plucked from the the, the murky filthy waters of this flooded tunnel by his right hand man who saved his life, he was 28 years of age, so he cheated death. Now I took that into the story, it's quite a dramatic part of the story, and I took Uh, Carla, because she's travelled back in time, and it's a point in the story where she realises that her and Brunel, whether she likes it or not, they are linked, because she saved him, it was actually her predecessor who saved him, because she has um, people like her, they all have they have a physical characteristic as well, which is red hair, which runs in my family, and then heterochromia, now heterochromia is the different colour eyes, you know, you have the brown and the blue, or um, you have a green and, 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 and uh, the brown. And this character has a brown and a blue eye. And um, this was my grandmother. My grandmother was like that. And it was very striking. So I made that physical characteristic a sign of what Carla really is, which is a dreamwalker. That's her, her destined role. This woman, this person, it's always the firstborn. In a female generation, on, on, in her line, and it happens every 100 years or so, of women that have this physical characteristic of the red hair, of the brown and the blue eye.
2: So do you, do you have your own paranormal experiences or stuff uh, that you've felt that you've kind of used those feelings in the book?
0: Definitely, yeah, I have very much so. I have had experiences and, and um, for example, all right, there's a, at the end of the scene where, at the end of the book, where her love interest, they basically, I don't want to give too much away, but basically, because he has been in a terrible accident and, and he's in a really bad way, he commits suicide, okay, which obviously is a bit of a sensitive subject, but when he's in the water and, and basically she's, she's, she's holding him, and she's, she said, it, it was very emotional for me to write that. She felt that she was wrapped in the arms of an angel. Now, that experience happened to me the night my father died. Uh, he, was, he died unexpectedly, and, and I had no idea that it had happened. But that night, he he held me in his arms, and I felt that experience. And I woke up that morning, and I, I, my phone had switched itself off. And I put my phone on, and there were six missed calls from my brother, and my brother rang and said, listen, Andrea, she said, you know, that uh, dad died last night. And I said, I knew because he visited me and he also visited me the night before his funeral. And, and I have had lots of experiences. Yeah. And so I suppose I, I don't know. I mean, I do believe I, I don't know if it's God, but I do believe there's an afterlife. And I'm not scared. Of of dying, I'm scared of not living. <laughs> if you get if you get me, and <laughs> um, and so I've used that in in the story. It it it, it raises a lot of questions, you know.
2: Yeah. I hope so, um, what do you, what do you hope people take away from the book? So after they read it, and of course the entertainment of the story and 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 drama and stuff. Um, wh- what do you hope you ta- they take away?
0: Well, you know, when I started writing it, I, I, I planned to write it quickly. And then uh, as usual, life got between me and the keyboard. So I didn't finish it. I, I shelved it after four or five months and I went back to it about four months, four, sorry, four years later. And I had to reread it because I'd forgotten about it. And then I finished it quickly you know, within a six month time period. And I just remember thinking it was fun, but it's somebody described it as like an onion. It's got lots of levels. So you can take from it what you want. You can pick it up off the shelf and think this is a really light read and and it's fun and it's very dynamic but if you can also then look at it and say well hang on a second there are depths here you can take from it what you want to find really it it offers different levels of of what you're looking for I suppose um Hmm. I hadn't really consciously done that but um another a reviewer pointed that out to me that of the different levels of the book and and even my my publisher echo of, of lucid house publishing she she pointed out that it it's it, she's you know said it it questions a lot of things it makes you think a little bit outside the box if you like
2: hmm now um you said that you're so you're working on another book in it, and so this is a series. Yes. did you kind of have that in mind to begin with
0: um no,
3: no.
2: <laughs> to be honest no.
0: Uh, I was just so happy to finish Suspension. I didn't even think, to be honest, to publish it. I just wanted to finish it. And um, I was so happy. And when I, when I finished it, I felt quite bereft. I missed the characters that I'd become so involved in, in the story um, that I was sad to leave them go. And then um, I'd met Echo through a, just a chance meeting, because Echo is based in Atlanta. And obviously, I, knew, I was in Sicily at the time. And um, we met and, and she liked I get, I sent her the first few chapters and she liked it. So I finished the story quite quickly. And then she said to me, Andrea, we need a sequel. And I sort of was thinking about it. And then I took my time and I, I did the rewrite on the book, which took me about a month because um, I was working like, lots of different jobs at the time as well. I under quite a lot of pressure. And then I saw. The sequel and the sequel is outrageous, I've got to say, it's it is it's exciting. Now, I have to say that the Time Binder series, I need to explain what this is. When I was looking for a name for the, the name of the series, there's, you know, to find something original that hasn't been used before. And I found the phrase Time Binder. And I was startled that nobody has used this before. If I asked you, Annan, would you know what a Time Binder is? Yeah, no. No. Okay. Well, we are all time binders. Okay, And this is the reason why animals still live in caves. And as humans, we've moved on. Time binding. Okay. let's let's think of the Egyptians. What did they give us? They gave us astrology. They gave us medicine. They gave us hieroglyphics, writing. We think of the uh, Romans. They gave us roads. They gave us um, drainage. They gave us all all sorts of things. You know what you get my gist on this? That's time binding. So what we do is as the human race, we learn from previous generations. That's time binding. Okay. Mm. so I've taken that concept. And in the time binder series, the in the second book, particularly somebody is altering time. And I spun the idea of time binding.
1: We at Wondery, creators of Dr. Death, Scamfluencers, and Over My Dead Body, go deeper into complex true crime stories to give you an inside look at the facts. And now we're launching the ultimate true crime fan destination, Exhibit C. It's truly criminal. Wondery's Exhibit C gives you the detective's lens of all of the evidence, taking you step by step through the twists and turns of each true crime case. Join the Exhibit C online community to access exclusive show merchandise, member only content and to hear directly from top criminal and social justice experts, witnesses and investigators as they take us beyond the evidence and into the case file. Join now by following Wondery Exhibit C on Facebook or find us on the web at WonderyExhibitC.com and listen to true crime podcasts on Wondery and Amazon Music. Exhibit C. It's truly criminal.
3: Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable and it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep only from Sleep Number. During our lowest prices of the season, the Queen's Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899. Save $200, only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.
0: Having a really bad guy. He, again, is is, is based on a historical ca- character. His name is Friar Conrad of Marlburg. He was a 13th century priest, and he was the first papal inquisitor. And I t- I've taken and he burned hundreds of women at the stake, okay, for witchcraft. And so I took this guy, and this this man has found the secret of time travel through whatever he's been doing. And he's spinning this idea for his own um, benefit and time binding. Now, by altering time, if you imagine dropping a little pebble into the middle of a, a lake, and instead of getting a ripple, you're getting a tsunami, okay? And so basically... That's the concept of a Time Binder, and 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 the second book concentrates on this really bad guy, that needs to be sorted out.
1: <laughs> wow! But the
0: Time Binder series, is clever, you know. It's it's and uh, I will just just to tease it, right? Because I'm I'm literally halfway through it. Um, the character she doesn't know Carla doesn't know where she's going, but she ends up she ends up in. Initially, she's in 16th, 17th century England, and she thinks that she's found the source of the problem. And then she finds out, coming back, where the portal throws her out, she's in medieval Germany. And then, because of something that happens in the story, she ends up going into the future. And then she's dealing with a whole different situation there. Now, whether that's going to be, I think, I had thought that that would be the third book, but the way the book is coming together... Um, if I want to keep the, the, the keep the fast pace and the, the compact style of it, I think that that, that future story will, will, will definitely be in the second book and it might tease into the third. Uh, I haven't really planned that far ahead yet. There's definitely going to be the second book, which is scheduled for release in January next year, if I manage to finish it. So mm. I'm against the clock right now.
2: Yeah, well, it but happens exciting. a lot. Yeah. Um <laughs> so uh, who who are your favorite writers or do you have anybody that you you like um to to reference or go to if you're if, to read
0: um I haven't read a lot of this genre i mean i i've just uh, the most recent book i read is uh, Anne the Mott's bird by bird which is the bible for for writers you know and and it's such an inspirational book it's it's not only a book about the writer's life, it's a book about life in general. And I, I have sacred books, you know, that, these are part of my sort of personal connection. When it came to inspiration for Suspension, I loved, there was a film back in the, it must have been about 2000, it was called uh, Truly Madly Deeply. It was written, the script was done by Anthony Mengela. beautiful story. And then another book that perhaps influenced me um, was Anna Siebold's Lovely Bones. You know, that's it's my story is not like that. It's very different. Um, Somebody has compared it to a book called Kindred. I can't remember the name of the writer. But, you know, when I was writing it, I deliberately didn't read this genre because I was worried that I'd end up writing something similar to somebody else. And even after I wrote Suspension, I was thinking maybe there's something similar out there. And there are there are elements of my story in other people's stories. But I, so like I said, I steered away from that genre. The last book I, yeah. I think I read that I enjoyed was The Tattooist of Aus- Auschwitz, you know, completely different. Mm. Um, so I tend to read a, 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 across a genre. I, I just like well-written books. I love Ernest Hemingway, his, his, his way of writing, not, what, not his, his content, but his style of writing, so minimalist. I like that style of writing. I, I, I hold him in great esteem, which is why he's actually in the book as well. Mm. For a little cameo appearance. And, oh, there yeah, you go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, he plays quite an important part in the second story as well, because he, you know, he he was quite, you know, a man's man and and quite sort of sexist, and 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 they have a really quite a really interesting little banter going on between them. But in the end, they sort of uh, learn to respect each other, and he features quite. He has an important role in the second book as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, wow. Hemingway's in there. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I so we many, you know, for a bit of interest,
2: you know. Yeah. 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 Well, and so what? What do you um, do when you write? Are you are you the type of person that sits down and kind of goes, uh, "Well, there's nobody home between ten and two, and so I can just sit down and write." And uh, you do that. You can turn it on, or do you have to be in a certain mood?
0: Um, I try. I'm trying to discipline myself. I work working as a features writer. I, I used to work from about nine to one. It, it never really worked out like that because my brain would be fried, you know, by, by the time you've done four hours, really, you know, sitting there and working. I, I I try to work mornings. I find that's the best time for me. But then if I do have a little sleep in the afternoon, I always I, I can I sort of. I I compare it to like having a, a battery, your brain is like a battery that runs down. And if I've done four hours of writing, particularly if it's that first, you know, the creative writing where you're really throwing down that rough piece of clay and you're trying to model it into something that can be very tiring. So... Um if I'm, if I'm tired or I'm doing a bit of a warm up, I usually will spend like 20 minutes, half an hour correcting and reworking something maybe that I've written the day before. And I find that very relaxing and very, very enjoyable. But then if I need to write something new, and I, I call it that piece of pottery, that, that clay, the pottery, you throw it down on the wheel, you've got to rework it. Um, I've got to be in a particular sort of energy mode to write like that. Um, and that's exciting. Now, but I do spend a lot of time. Often I can be sitting lying awake in the middle of the night and I'm, I'm actually thinking of the story and um, and then I'll, I'll write it and then I'll go back and I'll rework it. And then sometimes I get completely blocked. For example, the in suspension, she attends her own funeral. And I must have rewritten that scene about five times because I wasn't happy with it. And it was funny because the um, publicist came back to me, the publisher, and she said to me, Echo, lovely echo, said, I love the funeral scene. I thought I sweated blood over that scene, you know what I mean? Because it was just such a, I was not happy with it, and I needed to work it and work it and work it. And it came. It's like everything, the more you work on it, it comes good in the end. It's just the fact that sometimes you can overwork something as well. Um, and then sometimes when I get writer's block, I'll just think, well, I, I, I can't work this bit of the story out. So I'm just going to jump ahead and I'm going to write something else. And I, t- I tried to keep myself going. And then suddenly from somewhere, the muse rocks up. She's gone shopping or she's been out singing karaoke. She said, OK, today I'm going to give you the inspiration. And she gives me the words that I need to mm. make that story sort to of gel together. It usually I don't usually get writer's block for too long. Um, but I do get it. And it can be very frustrating. And I, I've learned then not to beat myself up over it just to sort of go out, do something else or write something else. I'm actually working on another book as well, which is completely different. Mm. Um, And that's called Chemo Club. I don't know if you you know about this. It's called Chemo Club. Now, chemo stands for chemotherapy. And um, I really want to talk about this because it's very important to me. Um, And it's it's a book about cancer. Mm -hmm. And I actually got diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019. And I I battled it and I've come through and I'm fine. Um, but it's a story about the people I met on my journey to recovery, the doctors, the nurses, the patients, and I met the most amazing people. And it's not a memoir. It's a story about various ca- characters. And Billy Lamps is in that story as well. He's the taxi driver. So that's a completely different genre uh, of writing. Um, and it was very cathartic to write it as well.
1: Um, mm, must have that's, yeah. That's,
2: that's well, it would be very personal, right? A lot more so, I would imagine. Yes. And um, life yes. experience, right? Does that make you feel a little mm-hmm. bit vulnerable when you expose a lot of your own person? Uh, in a book um. like that, let's say the chemo, especially in today's day, you know, because right now, mm-hmm. I mean, probably just about anybody and their dog can, can find you on social media and, and the review mm-hmm. systems and they can say things and, and, and does that, does, do you ever think about that or?
0: Well, to be honest, I, I've never really gone public about my illness um, mm-hmm. until until, until, until the, the, the thing came out about the book. You know, I'm talking about chemo club and chemo club would have its day because it's, it's an important message. There's a sisterhood there of breast cancer, you know, that it's an important message. One in eight women will have this illness. And um, and I found tremendous support and strength given from the people around me that really rallied and helped and also got very let down by people that you wouldn't expect, you know, and um, and even my own consultant said there's a need for this book, and I will write it, but it will be a different readership. It's, I'm not even sure if I'm going to publish it under my name, to be honest, right. uh, because it's a different style of writing. Like I said, I, 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 it can be a bit risky sometimes, I think, as a writer, to write something entirely different and say it's Andrea Faye Christians, because it will be a different type of book. Time Binder follows in the style of suspension, and I, it's, a, it's a, you know, a rollercoaster, rollicking Um chemo Chemo Club. It, it's it's the nuances. It's it's emotions. It's it's the subtlety. You know, it's a different type of writing,
3: right.
0: and I enjoy them both.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, what what's what's what would be your other name? <laughs>
0: I don't know. That's the problem. AF <laughs> Christians, maybe, you yeah. know? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I've got to talk to my publisher about that. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm how about Andrea
2: Hemingway? How's that?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish. In my dreams. <laughs> oh, you yeah,
2: you could do that. When things are kind of stressful and stuff, like um, all of the the last couple of years, you know, all the tension and turmoil and, you know, the pandemic yeah. and all sorts of stuff, does that sort of...
3: Well, yeah. sp-
2: Yeah, does that stress sort of interfere with your writing?
0: No, not at all. Um, Because I was literally recovering from, you know, quite major surgery at the time. And I I sort of, I was up in in my farm in Sicily, um, looking out over the most beautiful valley with all these wonderful horses and dogs and cats around me. And I was just, you know, writing, finishing off suspension and recovering. So I I didn't really feel that I was missing out on anything because I was just getting better. Oh, so I didn't really feel the pandemic. I was lucky. It was one of the few compensations having this illness, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 Well, it's pretty amazing. Uh, How do you, so when you look back and you've, you've completed this suspension now and and it's coming out, do you, um, how do you feel like you've made it? Do you think it's changed you in some, some ways?
0: I think it's unlocked a door, Alan. I think this is so important. I'm sure that many of your listeners are aspiring writers. And if I'm annoyed about anything, is that it took me so long to to finish a story and to believe in myself. Like I told you, the number of times my finger hovered over the delete button. And I've published over 400 magazine articles on everything you can imagine, human interest stories, motoring interior design, you name it, I write it. But when it came to writing a novel, it, it, like I said, it required a different stamina and self-doubt was such, uh, you know, a, a debilitating feeling. Um, so I believe that, you know, anybody that wants to write, you just got to stick at it out there, you know, and, and, and believe in yourself. And, and I gave and I sent it out to people that I really trusted to read the chapters and they were saying, no, keep on, keep on, keep on. And there were some close friends who really encouraged me in those dark times where I just thought oh, that's rubbish. I'm going to delete it, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It
2: uh, answers that question, uh, you know, that uh, sort of, yeah. Yeah, but that's self-doubt, that. you know, <laughs> do you think it ever goes yeah. away? Do you ever think it goes away? Because um, you might have, you know, you overcome it, and you do the book. I mean, I've, I've done a few books myself, but I mm. constantly go through it. I don't see it. Uh, it's not something that really goes away for me.
0: I think, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like when I reread Suspension because I left it, I didn't want didn't want to see it for a few weeks. I sort of read Suspension from start to finish, and again after some months, and I couldn't believe I'd written it. But a part of me did think, oh, people are going to think it's rubbish. I mean, you know, my couple of friends have just been kind, and I suppose it was really when I started getting reviews from people. I've recently had a great review, um, an Amazon.com review from a, an independent reviewer, and that's really given me so much belief in myself. But I have to say that, like I said to you, I, when I wrote this book, my initial sort of intention was just to finish it. I never really even thought about publishing. It, that came later. Um, but now that i 've actually you know this is the book seems to be you know being well received by the initial um, reviews it 's getting in the industry, it does give you confidence and um and I feel that it has unlocked a door and and i and i my advice to anybody is just stick at it don't ever you know and even if you get a bad day you just you just keep at it because you work, you're you're learning your art you you're honing your skills and um And I'd like to think that, you know, now I'm I'm sort of, you know, sort of benefiting from that, you know, after all these years. I think it was a good training ground writing as a features writer. It was a very, very small, obviously, medium compared to a book. But, you know, what you do is you just split a book up into sections at the end of the day. It's all chapters, isn't it? You know?
2: Yeah, right. Of course. Now, now the social media. do Do you like to take part in social media or do you have a website? Where do people find Andrea?
0: Okay, well, I am a bit of a klutz when it comes to social media, but I've got AndreaFayChristians.com, which is my website, which Mm -hmm. is being quite regularly updated by the lovely Alex. And um, that is pretty much and I I have Facebook. Um, I haven't got an author page yet, but I need to do that. I'm still on my private page. I'm going to make it public. I mean, for now. And, and as as, as of, at the moment, those are my main outlets on social media. I, I have to get myself sorted out with, like, a Twitter account and, and Instagram. TikTok. I'm just a bit slow on the uptake on these yeah.
2: things. Yeah, get on TikTok, you know, start doing it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I haven't got a clue, but I'll have to find somebody to help me. So you, <laughs> just, you
2: just get on and do it, you know. Um,
0: I know. I'm just so lazy, though, Alan. You know, when learning, I'm just I'm so I, – I love writing, but, but when it comes to computers, I'm just like, oh, I don't know.
2: Yeah. well, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You'll like what you like. I mean of course we're gonna have everything up on our site. We'll have your website up so people can find it. Oh that's and, fantastic. Um okay. so what next? You're what what are you working on now? You're doing book two then, is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm literally half I'm about thirty five thousand words through Time Binder. It's quite it's proving to be quite challenging. It's exciting, but there's a lot of historical fact in there that I need to um to 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 check you know, to make sure because you can guarantee that somebody's going to pick you up on it. Great. So I'm working on that. And I'm, I'm really hoping to get that ready by September and get that off to echo because she needs four months to get it out. For We've already, we've delayed the book because I didn't get my act together. So I'm hoping mm. to have it out for, to get it to her by September. So it'll be out for release at the end of January next year. Mm. Um, and then I want to finish chemo club. I'm champing up the bits to finish that because I feel it's an important book. And, um, and then I'm milling around a few other ideas, you know, um, but I've got enough. I think I need to just concentrate on those two two things for now.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. The research, how much how much time does that take you to do that research for that, like with the facts and that stuff like that?
0: Oh, you know, um, Wikipedia is great. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> <the internet.
2: laughs> yeah, it makes life easier, I guess, you know, internet.
0: Yeah, I mean... Uh... I was writing something the other day about, um, I mean, the character, you know, it's, a, it's medieval Germany, what did the women wear? So I just had to Google, you know, it took me two minutes to Google what type of clothing they would wear. And they wouldn't be wearing the corseted dressings, they would wear quite the loose like, Greek style tunics, but you've got to make sure you've got it right. And so and even the shoes and things, you know, because you can guarantee somebody somewhere will pick up on it, you know. Yeah. And um, so these are the sort of things that take time. Um, this 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 Friar um, Conrad of Marburg, I, I, I don't know where this book came, but I found this book called Whores of the Devil. And it's a book. It's a historical book. It is awful. But of all the stuff that happened from Joan of Arc, who was the first martyr, right through to the, to the Nazis, you know, in, in the World War Two. Yeah. And there's just so much material in this book. And I found on page 16, Friar Conrad of Marlburg. And I thought he is rock and roll. He's the perfect baddie. And so I've just taken him. But there's not very much that you can know about him. So I've had to do a lot of research on him. Um, he's mm. great. He's so evil.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, you need you get, you know. Do you ever put? Um, do you ever look for um, evil characters? Um, their personalities. Do you take people you know, or you've run across, yes. or you've met, and use them yes. as kind of? I your, have to be
0: very careful. I'm going to get.
2: I'm, well, no, I'm I get that a lot from uh, fictional writers or history, historical fiction. People will do that. They'll say. Sometimes it's just simple. Sometimes it's someone they. That butted in on, on a lineup for them or something like. There's something silly, right? But they they meet yeah. someone and they don't. They're not very <laughs> nice.
0: Um, i have got to tell you right <laughs> that uh, Friar Conrad is based on an ex boyfriend of mine.
2: <laughs> oh well, see, I'm going to get sued, right? So, no, uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, because it can be someone Palmer, that inspires maybe, they inspired your character right yeah, it's, yeah, not a, yeah. it's not it's not you know it's not like you take every yeah. word and thought that they have and you made them It's like they inspired no, it.
0: no, I took aspects of him you know yeah. and uh yeah, and I obviously made him much worse and then for example even in um in uh, chemo club, there's a character the mother in law of one of the characters, and that was the mother of of, of a friend's mother in law who who gave this friend of mine the most terrible time, and I've taken her. Um, into the story so like I said we take things you know and we use them and, and that's why we observe and, and, I, and I love to to just sometimes just sit and watch the world go by and mm. you know just observe people it could be even perhaps the way that I you know this woman was smoking a cigarette the other day and she was she was like she was quite a beautiful woman but she was just smoking the, and she was blowing the smoke up into the air very elegantly and I thought I'm going to take that I'm going to use that that mannerism in one of my characters
1: you
0: know? so yeah, so my mind works in mysterious That's ways. Yeah. My mind works in very mysterious ways.
2: Fantastic. Well, it's been an interesting uh conversation. And and everyone, you know, if you if you're out in Malta, do not if you see Andrea, she's probably gonna be writing about you. So, <laughs> so don't, don't let that happen. Run for the hills. You run for the hills. You see her? You're in a coffee shop, get your coffee to go and get out. Okay, because you'll end up being some character in the next book. Okay, I'm just telling you. Uh,
0: uh, there's some good people in there too, you know. Well, that's what I'll you know. Honest, you roll, <laughs> you're rolling
2: the dice. I tell you, I take the coffee and run, but that's me. You know, freedom. Oh, goodness. anyway. Well, the the book we're talking about, of course, is called Suspension, and it's the new book coming out. And uh, the our guest is is the author Andrea Faye Christians. So thank you for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Alan. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino movie reviews.
0: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or
1: shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com.
0: Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for
1: me? Yeah. This is a production of something weird media I'll be back
3: Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number during our lowest prices of the season, the Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899. Save $200, only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
0: Hi, I'm Helen Lewis, and I want to tell you about a podcast I've made for BBC Radio 4 and BBC Sounds. It's called The New Gurus. And it's about how everywhere you look on the internet, people are giving advice. Advice they claim will transform your life. Advice that gets some thousands, even millions of devoted followers. These online prophets are telling us how to eat, how to think, how to get rich, how to find love, how to manage our time. So how exactly are these gurus changing our lives and the world around us? And who holds them to account? Find out by subscribing to the new gurus wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. acast.com
1: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com
0: Show's over for now.